The following is a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee's Sports Authority. Lock into your radio dial for 97.9 ESPN Radio's official post-game show, Wake Up Knowles. It's time to recap all the action of another Seminole game day with your Seminole insiders, Tom Block and Keith Jones. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Good morning, everybody. Tom and Keith with you, and uh, maybe it's not a good morning unless you're a Clemson fan in light of how this game went down last night. 37-34, the final, and you know the end. The, the end result is what we're all going to focus on, and we will over this hour. I really thought there was a lot to like in that game, but uh, the way that two-minute drive completely fizzled, it, it certainly leaves a bad taste and one more loss on your record. Three groups uh, were watching the game, of course, those that were pulling for Clemson, uh, those that were pulling for Florida State and then just college football fans in general, uh, two out of the three groups uh, are very happy. Uh, Clemson obviously happy with the victory. I think college football fans in general were pleased in what was a very entertaining uh, ball game. Both teams played with a lot of energy. Uh, I think you can look uh, to both sides and see where there were plays and or points left on the field. Uh, Certainly, uh, and we'll get into this as we talk more about Florida State, um, there were some uh, some things that happened, particularly in that last drive, but even before that, other things in the second half that from uh, a momentum standpoint really hurt Florida State. And uh, this was a game that uh, the Seminoles were not expected to win, uh, get into the ball game, and it goes right down to the last uh, minute, if you will. Uh, so Florida State can take away a moral victory, but that won't please anybody. Uh, except those of us that uh, have been around for a while. Yeah, no question about it. And if you've listened to this show, you know we'll spend one segment uh, on the offense, one on the defense uh, as, as we continue. But I think right now we really just need to start at the end of the game because I was confident as Florida State got the ball with two minutes left basically in the game that uh, – you know, that they were going to go down, and I wasn't even thinking field goal. I was based on the way Dalvin had run the ball uh, and the way Florida State had moved the ball. I was confident they were going to go down and score. Well, the reality is that Clemson did not stop Florida State. Florida State stopped itself. Uh, a couple of penalties, uh, a very, uh, what I thought was a very egregious call uh, by the officials uh, on Freddie Stevenson on that uh, chop block. Uh, I, I just, I didn't see that. I went back and looked that at wasn't, the replay. That wasn't, that the wasn't la- there. But that, yeah. I'm just saying in, in terms of momentum things. Um, and, and as a result, you know, Florida State hurt themselves on those last two or three drives relative to how quickly they could store in, in the case of the last drive, whether they scored at all. Uh, and, and those are things that you've got to go back and look at the tape, you've got to look at, and you've got to correct. Uh, you would think this far into the season you wouldn't have the false start issues, uh, you wouldn't have the substitution issues, uh, again, not on the last drive in particular, but the two-point conversion as well as the two-point defense. Uh, it might have been happy uh, and nice to have that extra time out if you needed it. Uh, just some things you can go back and correct. Well, I mean, you know, Jimbo, to his credit, uh, will protect players and, and generally not mention them by name. But as you look back at this game, and there were a, a plethora of penalties here as we pull out the final tally, 13 penalties for 111 yards. Now, not all this is going to be penalties, but you can look at the first, the very first offensive possession of the game. Florida State drives the ball, gets to the 19, but there was a 15-yard penalty on Landon Dickerson. And then so now you've moved back 15 yards. It was still first and 10 because it was in between there, uh, dead ball foul or whatever. But 
DeAndre gets sacked, he held the ball too long. So you went right out of field goal range. You get nothing out of the first drive of the game in a game that you ultimately lose by three points. So uh, everybody remembers the end. That beginning hurt Florida State. Throughout the game, and and I'm not going to look all the way through this, but uh, the two timeouts that Florida State called in the second half, one was because Kyle Myers was not on the field when Clemson wanted to go for two. Yeah, Florida State had 10 people on the field. Right, and so presumably Kyle Myers is not on the PAT defense team. He assumed it was one, made a mistake. They burned a timeout to get the 11th guy on the field. Now, when Florida State went for two, Nooney Murray didn't line up correctly, burned another timeout. So how does that impact things? Well, last drive of the game, Dalvin had been running successfully. I didn't ask Jimbo specifically about this, but they had one timeout, and so I'm, I'm quite confident that had they not gotten the back-to-back false starts, that he would have mixed in one run of Dalvin Cook there and used the timeout. But two false starts in a row, they get to first and 20. It really just took it out of play. But uh, So, you, again, you focus on the end, but all those reasons I decided are why there was one timeout left on that drive. You're entirely correct, and, and if you'd have had that extra timeout, uh, then you might not have been uh, dropping back in those passes. Francois might not have been sacked. Uh, you know, I'm e- echoing you, your statement, your point in another way. And, and, and of course, there'll be those that say, well, Francois should have gotten rid of the ball. There, there's, there's situational things where you can't afford to take a sack. Well, we're still dealing with a fresh, redshirt freshman. Uh, we're dealing with a guy that had been drilled the entire game. Uh, and is playing as beat up and sore as any starting quarterback in America right now. But uh, you got to work your way through them. You made the comment to me before the game, Tommy, that uh, it may be A game versus A game, and their A game might just be a little bit better than Florida State's. And tonight, uh, last night rather, it was three points better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, I singled out a lot of guys there, and, and nobody wants to hear this. But uh, I'll point it out anyway. Landon Dickerson's a true freshman. DeAndre Francois is a redshirt freshman. Nooney Murray hasn't played very much at all, even though he's not a freshman. Uh, Logan Tyler was not particularly good last night and a true freshman. He, he messed, messed up the first kickoff. Had some, So, again, you don't want to hear it. R- it Rubel had, a, had a, not a good night. Rubel had not a good night. So, again, you don't want to hear it. You can call it an excuse. You can call it a reason or reality. Uh, rather than me and you continue to talk about it right now, let's listen into what Jimbo Fisher had to say. Uh, and, and he was frustrated because he, I, I think he walked away from this game feeling that his team is every bit as good as Clemson's were it not for self-inflicted things. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com as we listen into Jimbo Fisher's postgame comments. First of all, give a lot of credit to Clemson. Uh, it's a very good football team, very well-coached football team. Played their hearts out. Uh, they made enough plays to win. They made one more play than we did to, to win the game, and they're a very deserving team. They did a great job. Um, it's a great atmosphere, great environment. Thanks for our fans. It was that's what I think of Dope Campbell. That's what I think of the way the atmosphere, the environment, the things that went on. Fans were ready to play. Uh, give our kids great credit for the competition. They played hard, wanted to win, made plays at times, kept battling back, bumping back. In those games, it was a heavyweight fight. They're going to throw haymakers. We're going to throw haymakers. We kept going at each other, and we had an opportunity to to either seal it back up or uh, win it at the end, and uh, we didn't get it done, and uh, we let that go. It was a good two-minute drive all the way down. We had in field goal position, had the ball 40 seconds, a timeout, and we're in great shape and have uh, two uh, very costly motion penalties, 
and then got behind and got a sack and then, uh, you know, lost it out. But kids battled back, made a lot of great plays. Uh, missing the two-point conversion was critical. Thought we had that. It was a good throw. Uh, came out of the route too quick. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, they – but still guys battled. They played hard. Left their guts on the line. They did. They left them out there on the field. They played very hard. But we got to play better. Had uh, great opportunities in the game. Moved the ball well. We ran the ball. We threw the ball. I mean, they had a very good defensive football team. They caused a lot of problems, a lot of blitzes. Uh, but we were able to get some running game. Got some passing game going at times. They did on us. They kept – we kept just I – mean, like, like I say, a heavyweight fight. Just kept going back and forth. And uh, unfortunately, we left some out there we would. And uh, very critical plays in the game. Like I said, looking here, Dalvin had another great game. Uh, DeAndre threw the ball well. Got pounded, got hit a little bit. And you saw a great step up by Naquan Nooney. Stepped up and really played big in the game. I told you I, I love the way he's been developing. Uh, in the, in the game and Kermit some of those guys and you know they had good players we had good players and heck of a thing but uh, fortunately we came up short questions it's ridiculous it's not a chop it was not a chop and I'm going to tell you what you hold coaches accountable players accountable hold the damn officials accountable it's garbage and then to call another penalty on the sideline is even more garbage it's cowardly it's gutless and wrong now, they can take it, find it, do whatever they want to do with it. That's a fact. Look at the film. It's ridiculous that they do it. That was a huge call in the game. Now, didn't, still had chances to win the game after that, but it's ridiculous. And the guy wasn't in a position to make it. And plus, it was 10 yards down the field, so the penalty should have been marked from there, not from the line of scrimmage. And it was targeting on 12 when he got hit in the belly. When he got knocked out, the crown of the helmet right in the chest. We don't, he gets killed at Miami, we don't call it, gets killed here. Both of them, bad, real bad. So Jimbo uh, obviously displeased, and again, that's courtesy of Seminoles.com. Extensive coverage is always on, on Seminoles.com, and, and, and you can hear Jimbo's presser tomorrow when he meets with the media and see that stream live on Seminoles.com too. Uh, Keith, you mentioned the officials and that, that call on Freddie Stevenson. Uh, you know, there's there's been some borderline late hits. Uh, it was not a great night for the ACC officials, certainly from Jimbo Fisher's point of view certainly from a Florida State point of view. Uh, the call on Freddie Stevenson, I know that's a new rule this year. I don't know that I've seen it called in an FSU game or any game I've watched. Well, here's the problem with the call. The official was not positioned to he make it. He was not an official to make it, and and Freddie clipped him with his forearm, his left hand, his left forearm, clipped him on the heel. He did not block him from the back. He did not block him from below the waist. He clipped his heel with his forearm. That's not a penalty anywhere on the field. And that's why Jimbo was irate. Uh, certainly, uh, I think Jimbo would be the first to tell you he didn't, uh, it didn't do the club any good for him uh, to, or whoever it was on the sideline uh, to get the unsportsmanlike. But he was justifiably upset. And, and I guess one of the things about modern technology, everyone in the stadium saw it because it was up on the big board on the replay. Uh, that's a flag. That, that you need to get together as an official and one of your other officials who maybe saw it even though they were also out of position and out of the way walks over. And it's a hard thing to do, Tommy. It's a hard thing to do. But somebody should have walked up to that official and said, you need to pick that flag up. That's not what you thought you saw and get it right. Well, and as I look back at the play-by-play uh, that they type up for the media, and uh, you know, my recollection was not that this was the case. I thought that was the same drive Florida State scored on. Was not. So the situation there, 28-26 FSU, and Dalvin Cook, first and 10 from the 25, where did he get tackled ultimately? The 15-yard line? It was way down there. 25 maybe? 
Uh, instead, that penalty backs it erases all that, backs Florida State up. You get the unsportsmanlike conduct on the FSU bench, which Jimbo said after the game was not on him. It was on somebody else uh, on the bench. Uh, bottom line, Florida State punts. Clemson comes back on the next drive and kicks the field goal to take the lead 29-28. So a, that is a punt that resulted in Clemson taking over the ball in Florida State territory, of my memory serves. And Florida State, again, I don't recall exactly where Dalvin Cook fit, was brought down on that play. They were at least in field goal range, and with the momentum, we're going to score a touchdown. Exactly. I mean, you, you can, I'm not one that likes to blame the refs. But this is an instance where that took points off the board from Florida State for a bad call. Now, for those of the uh, those of our listeners that want to echo in and say that the targeting call on Trey Marshall wasn't correct, it was correct. It was borderline. It was extremely borderline. But there was one of the angles that clearly showed a helmet-to-helmet contact on a defenseless player. If you want to complain, complain about the rule. Don't complain about that call. I'll also point out, and I forget who it was, it was a sack of Watson late in the game. Incidental grabbing of the face mask by a D-tackle for Florida. Not called. Exactly. The sack stood. Um, But, again, so it is what it is. I I tend to be more on the side of the calls even themselves out. But but that call was was something for sure. All right. Well, so that's general reaction, uh, big picture stuff to what happened. Uh, We'll continue here. I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at ctf.nu. We'll step aside, come back, react. Uh, We'll start with the defense this time around uh, as Deshaun Watson, uh, Heisman hopeful, rallies his Clemson Tigers to a win over Florida State. Back with more after this. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Welcome back, Tom and Keith with you, and uh, you know, I hope uh, that this is therapeutic for you uh, and yours because I think Keith... It certainly we need, is we need some therapy. It's, it's not that we genu- generally uh, enjoy hanging out uh, in the middle of the night as we record this show, but it is sort of uh, therapeutic as we, as we talk through this. So I, I pull out the final stat sheet, 511 total yards for Clemson, and they rally for the win, and, and, and Deshaun Watson and Clemson outscored FSU 17-6 in the fourth quarter. Uh, and yet I feel like the defense – played reasonably well. Now, you you may disagree with me. You have a different view from no, up top. not at all. I, I thought the defense played extraordinarily well. Uh, they sacked Watson four times. Of the 81 plays that Clemson snapped, uh, Watson was either throwing the ball or running the ball 60 of them. So you knew who was, who was there. Uh, two interceptions, uh, great plays, both of the interceptions, uh, giving the ball over to the offense with shorter fields. Um, in today's environment, Tommy, what what used to be 300 yards is now 500 yards. So 511 yards doesn't bother me. What used to be 20 points is now 40 points. So the 37 points doesn't bother me. What Florida State did defensively is they competed. They had one blown coverage on Clemson's last touchdown, uh, which was really a great scheme. If you go back and look at the at the play call, they had trips uh, to the offense's right. And Florida State uh, didn't buddy up on the inside two receivers, and one of them crossed and got open. That's going to happen. Dalvin Cook was wide open 
at one point on a pass that he dropped where Clemson blew some coverage. You're going to have that in today's environment. This Florida State's defense played well enough to win. I was very pleased with their performance. You know, Marquez White, uh, we had him on the postgame show on the radio network, and his interception, he confessed to me that he was in the wrong coverage because he didn't get the change of call. So interesting there. But that play, went, which might ex- explain why Deshaun sort of inexplicably threw that ball that way because Mark, Marquez wasn't White supposed to be there. wasn't supposed to be there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought defensively, uh, certainly the effort was there. It's made a big difference now that Sweat is competing for 60 minutes and that Derek Noddy is healthy and Sweat is healthy. I thought Roderick Hoskins did a nice job. Job setting the edge. Uh, I mean, and Ermon Lane continues to uh, not just uh, play physically, he continues to be the guy that's lining people up. Right. I mean, I, and again, the end result Clemson scores 37 points. I will say this Trey Marshall leaving the game, and you explained the targeting, that was not insignificant because that resulted in, in Calvin Bruton playing, and, uh, and even not to pick on Calvin, it resulted in, in taking out one of your experienced guys in the backfield, replacing him with somebody who's not as comfortable back there. That is correct. Now, this far into the season, you know, everybody's gotten some playing time, everybody's got to be prepared and ready to go, but the fact of the matter remains that, that Trey is the best at the star position, and when he's not out there, uh, there is some form of a drop-off. One other thing to mention that we didn't is all the passes that were batted down at the line of scrimmage. Must have been five or six of those uh, between uh, Walker and Naughty. I think Christmas had one. Um, they did a good job when they couldn't get penetration against Watson to getting their hands up. Uh, very, very effective. It reminded me of the Miami game when the Hurricanes batted down several of DeAndre Francois' passes. Uh, Tavares McFadden has now had an interception in three straight games. And he has six on the year, which if he's not the nation's leader, he's probably tied for it. He's been tied for it for a couple of weeks. Mike Williams had seven catches for 70 yards, and I can't say definitively it was every play, but generally speaking, every time I looked up, it was Tavares McFadden on Mike Williams. I I thought he played pretty well. My two biggest fears, we talked about this, were uh, Galman running the ball. Uh, He ended up with 82 net yards on 20 carries, averaged four yards a carry. I didn't see him as gashing Florida State, which I was afraid of. And and Williams hurting Florida State down the field. Uh, That didn't occur, uh, at least to the degree I thought it would, because I knew uh, Clemson would take some shots down the field with Williams. It all rolled back to Deshaun making some very good decisions. He ran the ball, uh, including sacks, uh, 17 times. Uh, he was 27 of 43 through the two inter- interceptions. Um, I think, again, repeating myself, this Florida State defense played well enough to beat the number, you know, top five team in the country. Uh, it just came up short. All right, let's listen in to Tavares McFadden's uh, postgame comments. Uh, this is courtesy of Seminoles.com after he picks off his sixth pass of the year. Both the interceptions in this game really swung the momentum, one in the first half, one in the second half. Here's Tavares McFadden. Tough loss, but we still got to finish the season up. You know, we still gotta, we still gotta play four more games. So we just gotta forget about this and move on. After those first two drives by Clemson, how were you guys able to, to settle down and, and really start to, to cause their offense problems? You know, it was just beginning jitters, I guess you could say. You know, we had some people out there that ain't been out there before, including myself. So you know, just had to settle in in a big time stage and you know get our feet in the ground. Did that Marquez interception kind of settle you guys down and kind of get you guys into it? Yeah, I mean, we was all, we was starting to get our, our groove back, and then the interception by Marquez that just topped it off. What was talk, tell me about your interception in, in, in the third quarter? Um, you know, I had cover two. I, 
I played like I was coming, and then he just threw the he basically just threw the ball right to me. And what was the attitude next play? Dalvin goes down and gives the team the lead. You know, I just felt like uh, that play right there just changed the game, and the offense got what they had to get going, and then we was able to make plays. How tough was Clemson in, in the fourth quarter and they were able to capitalize on a lot of those third down plays and even a, a fourth down play? We beat ourselves. We gave them everything that they got. It's as simple as that. Is it important now to really kind of kind of dig in and, and grind for this last month of the season? Yeah, it's really important. You know, like Coach Fisher keep emphasizing us, we got to finish the season out. You know, Florida State, we're not used to losing like this, but you know, as football things happen, we just got to keep going. Do you guys take any solace in going toe to toe with the second or third best team in the country? Uh, you know, we just still looked at it as another game. We knew that this was going to be a big stage, and Clemson was going to come to play, and we had to do the same. You know, uh, the ball just didn't roll our way. So again, McFadden with a big night. I guess I, just to finish off the thought on Tavares, I know that he has drawn the ire of Florida State fans because he's been very up and down this year. Um, but he's got a lot of potential. This is a 6'3 corner that's playing as a sophomore that despite some of the mistakes or the times he's gotten beat, he's got six picks. He, he's a, a feast or famine type of guy. He's got the physical attributes to be uh, off the charts. Uh, I know that the NFL scouts are, are just salivating uh, that if he continues to make progress, uh, that he'll be someone that many, many of the clubs will be interested in. What he has to do, Tom, is what all young people have to do. Uh, is he's got to learn to play with consistency. Uh, he's got to learn to play every play with the same amount of energy. He's got to make sure he knows his calls. He's got to make sure he does his homework Monday through Thursday. He's got to make sure he spends some extra time looking at some tape and then take that great talent and along with that consistency and learning how to be a football player translates that into 100% uh, effectiveness and not just every other play, every third play effectiveness uh, the way it's been up and down. Looking back, and again, uh, I, I, we started this segment. I pointed out that Clemson outscored FSU 17 to six in the in the fourth quarter. You got to give Clemson credit. I mean, it goes back to your comment about if both teams play their A game, Clemson's A game is probably a little bit better. I think that's true. They've got a, a more veteran, certainly a more veteran quarterback, uh, and, and and a more veteran team, perhaps. I mean, I don't I don't know that for sure. I'd have to line up the roster and look. But the last couple drives, Keith, Florida State's leading 28 26. It's third and 21, and and. Somehow Watson fits a pass to Hunter Renfro, who somehow makes an incredible catch. And Westbrook was on him. I mean, it, it was not bad coverage. With the exception of the touchdown pass uh, that Deshaun threw in the in the second half, all of the plays were contested. Uh, even in the first half, a couple of the plays that Renfro made, there was tight coverage. He was catching the ball and stepping out of bounds. He was catching the ball and falling down. He was down or or, or diving for the ball and catching it. Uh, you know, if you want to look at the highlight reel on both sides of the ball of catches that were made in the ball game, you got uh, eight, twelve, uh, you know, maybe fifteen on both sides of the ball that you can look at and say those are highlight reel catches. Yeah. The, and, the, and the last drive of the game where the tight end caught three passes, including the touchdown on a busted coverage, uh, yes, that's not what you want your defense to do. I, at the time, I really viewed it as more of a blessing than anything that they left two minutes on the clock. That was my same thought as well. You know, compared to milking the clock down to 30 seconds where you have no time to do anything. That's why when the – you recall that the touchdown was ruled a touchdown on the field, and then they went back to replay. 
And I turned to someone that was sitting with me up at the booth, and I go, I hope they don't review the, reverse this because that's going to be another 30 or 45 seconds that Clemson can run off the clock from the one-yard line or wherever the ball would have been spotted before they scored. Right. Uh, I was happy to see them go ahead and, and leave that amount of time on the clock. Trying to do the math on the fly here. Florida State, uh, they were leading 34-29. It, it, it goes back to that, that missed two-point try for Florida State. But you had to go for it. I mean, right. There's no question you've got to go for it. Yeah. Because if you kick the extra kick the extra point, you're only up by six. They score a touchdown, kick the extra point, they beat you. Right. Right. So it was the right call to no go question. for it. But just the, the mistakes I mean really there were two mistakes, honestly. And we're not on the offensive segment yet, but Nooney Murray caused the timeout to be called. It looked like Travis Rudolph didn't run the right route or something. There was they were not on the same there page. There was just it. some miscommunication. It would have been I, I I was in line looking the way Francois was throwing the ball. I saw what he was doing. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, Travis was covered to the inside, so he was trying to get Travis to rotate his shoulders. So he threw it out to the outside, but instead of laying the ball up a little bit and giving Travis a couple more steps okay. to make that turn, he kind of shot it in there. So uh, I, I would fault both of them. Uh, I don't know what Jimbo, how Jimbo would grade it, but the way I was looking at it, I would fault both of them. It was almost a very good play. I saw what they were trying to accomplish. Well, that's a natural segue for us to talk uh, a full segment about the uh, the offense for Florida State. We'll do that when we come back. Tom and Keith with you uh, rehashing a uh, disappointing, uh, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, we've used all those terms before this year, uh, defeat this time at the hands of the Clemson Tigers, 37-34. Back with more right after this. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN. Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Back with you, Tom and Keith. And uh, KJ, uh, you know, this is not a win, obviously, for Florida State, but uh, I do think that a pattern continued, and that is that uh, Jimbo in these big rivalry games, really does a nice job with his offense. I mean, he's 7-0 against Miami. He's now 4-3 and against Clemson. I mean, that's tightening up. But uh, you look back at the, at the numbers in this game, and Florida State had fewer total yards than Clemson, but they averaged almost a yard more per play. And, and so you got to give Jimbo credit for the way it worked out. One of the things you would not have expected going into the ball game is Clemson running more plays or uh, holding the ball longer than Florida State. You knew they might run more plays. Uh, as I look at the stat sheet, uh, the Tigers had 81 uh, offensive snaps to 63 for Florida State. But with that hurry-up offense, I would not have expected the time of possession to be 33 minutes uh, Clemson, 27 minutes Florida State. You're exactly right. The offense, 449 yards to be official. Dalvin ends up with 169 yards on the ground, averages nearly nine ga- yards a carry becomes um, just the second back in Florida State history with 1,000-yard seasons, three consecutive seasons. I believe, if my uh, numbers are correct, just the seventh time that's happened in the history of the ACC. And, and the way those runs happened, one on a, on a wide play to the offense's right, the other one on a wide play to the offense's left, I think the one to the left went 70 yards and one to the right went 43 <clears throat> or 45, whatever it was. They were unbelievably uh, uh, momentum-changing, shifting plays. I mean, when Florida State's offense needed that big hit, uh, they got it from Dalvin. It's like it's like he knew uh, he had been called and it was his time, and, and he rose to the occasion. I've never been uh, more impressed in a loss 
with what a back did on the ground than I am with Dalvin Cook in this ballgame. Well, hey, this is going to be a sidebar to rehashing the game, but in attendance last night, uh, I mean, it was a who's who. Just in terms of great players in Florida State history that I saw, Charlie Ward, Derek Brooks, Marvin Jones, Peter Warwick, Warwick Dunn, Leroy Butler, Telvin Smith, Rashad Green, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I'll stop there, but Dalvin Cook is going to be revered that way when he comes back, and we're, of course, all assuming that this is going to be the end of the run. He's not going to come back for his senior year. Uh, I didn't think that I'd, I'd someday say there was a better running back at Florida State than, than Warwick Dunn, and, and probably my other favorite guy was, was uh, Leon Washington. I, I wasn't around to remember Greg Allen run from back closer to your day. But, I mean, I, I, Dalvin Cook's going to be the all-time leading rusher here in a, in a game or two, and it's hard to argue with what he's done at FSU. He started the first half of the game, I think, eight rushes for 32 yards. They weren't getting much going. Uh, Florida State did score late in the second uh, uh, quarter to, to go into halftime on a positive note. But then he just exploded in that second half. And, and again, repeating myself, uh, I don't know that I've witnessed one running back on two or three specific touches, uh, you know, accomplishing what he did in terms of changing that momentum. I actually ended up with four touchdowns in total on the ground. Um, it, it was, a, it was a, a, a wonderful performance to witness in person. Three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. He moved past Warwick Dunn for number two all-time in terms of rushing touchdowns, chasing Greg Allen. Uh, he'll be chasing Warwick Dunn's career rushing record here in another couple weeks. He should have that. Uh, all that's bittersweet and the sidebar story because the story is Clemson wins 37-34. I'm sure Dalvin would trade all of what I just said for uh, another touchdown uh, or, or more points on the board. Let's listen in uh, to what he said after the game. And uh, this is, again, courtesy of Seminoles.com. We lost them to UNC and Louisville. You know, we've got to keep going to work. we got a great football team in the locker room. Well, unfortunately, the nation has seen some of what we can do, but not all. So we just got to keep battling it, man. And this team here, you know, I see it every day in practice, the things these guys can do, offense, special teams, defense, everything we could do. If we play as a team and play as one unit, you know, we could be dominant. How are you guys able to kind of grab the momentum in the second quarter and then continue that into the second half? We just really settle down and play football. You know, if we keep having to self-inflict the wounds, like, you know, the holdings here and the and a false start before we even get started, you know. We ain't going to never get momentum going like that. So, you know, we got to correct them things, and that's just, you know, an issue we got to correct in the locker room as a team, you know. That's not nothing coaches can do. We just got to correct those mistakes as players. Are you proud of the way that the team kept battling back in this one as, you know, they kind of went back and forth, in the, especially in the second half? I'm definitely proud of, proud of my guys, the way we battled, the way we was tested, and they responded. And... Like I say, this group here, you know, is going to be a group to remember, you know, the way we finish this season. You know, three losses right now, but the way we're going to finish, you know, is going to be a unique, a, unique, a unique way for this team. Is it tough having to battle back from, from tough losses like, like the UNC loss and, and this one, just kind of ones that kind of come down to, to the wire? That's gonna be the toughest one when you when you think in your head, you know, you could have you could have beat this team 100 percent. Like you let games slip away, and them be the ones, you know, you go to bed, you thinking about. So you know, them be the, always the toughest ones, but them be the ones that that make you as a team and make you, you know, want to go out there and, and correct things that you messed up on. The first touchdown of the, of the second half, the one that you guys took the lead on, was was that a play that that 
it looked like you could have scored a touchdown on earlier in the in the, the half if, if there's maybe one more block. Is that a play you guys kind of went back to? No, we actually didn't run it, so it was kind of like a first time for them seeing it, and you know, you know we took advantage of what what they was giving us, and you know, so they they didn't see that look all game, and you know they gave they gave us what we wanted, and you know it opened right up. The, the long touchdown. What happened on that play? It was actually the same play, you know, just to the opposite side. But, you know, they was giving us what we wanted all game. So we was just was taking advantage of it. You know, Coach Fisher was doing a great job of calling the plays. Is this where you have to step up and be even more vocal? Definitely. I know I got to be going to the locker room on Monday, you know. I, I feel like these guys are going to want to come in and, you know, correct things. This type of team we got in the locker room, type of guys we got in the locker room. But, you know, it got to be a sense of urgency from here. You know, guys got to want to, you know. Go, go in the field room and get better. So, you know, if I got to just be more vocal, which I'm going to be, you know, so it, so it would be. So let's go back to, to Dalvin and the end of the game. We talked about this a little bit in the uh, in the first segment of the show. Uh, you get the ball with a couple minutes left. Uh, you only had one timeout. So you're, you're not at liberty to just run Dalvin and waste 30 seconds of the clock. But I I really think that Jimbo was about to spring Dalvin until the fall starts happen, and it went from first and 10 in field goal range to first and 20 in desperation mode. And what's most maddening, and I'm sure what is frustrating uh, Jimbo as much as anything, is this is the same offensive line that, that provided some space uh, to get Dalvin those 169 yards on the ground, and yet in the fourth quarter of a ball game, in ball game number eight, you get back-to-back false starts. Uh, and, and I know the crowd was a little bit loud, but our crowd's not stupid. Uh, they were loud when Clemson had the ball. They were just kind of making noise when Florida State had the ball. And and why and how you continue to make those self-inflicted mistakes uh, is what drives coaches batty. Uh, as, as Jimbo will say, you know the kids aren't doing it on purpose. You're not, you know they're not doing it because they're stupid or dumb. Uh, maybe they're doing it because they're trying too hard. But either way, you've got to maintain that composure, particularly in situations like that. You've got to focus and execute. And, you know, I, if I had the magic formula to make them all quit doing that, then obviously I'd hold it for ransom and be a, a very wealthy man when I gave it up. Uh, but it does make you scratch your head and just wonder. You know, that last drive prior to the false starts uh, and ultimately the the inability to convert and having to turn the ball over on downs. Uh, you know, there was a Brock Rubel holding in there, and they com- they converted a third and 23 earlier in that drive. And do you remember the, the, the last drive against North Carolina where they went 90 yards? Uh, they overcame a third and 25 there. The point I'm making here is uh, even though DeAndre Francois uh, holds the ball too long at times, doesn't see the whole field necessarily the way you'd like a, a quarterback to or the way he ultimately will, I continue to be impressed with him as a redshirt freshman quarterback. And well, and he was errant on several passes last night. Two two things that impressed me. Number one, his ability to keep getting back up. Uh, you know, uh, you hate to talk about ultimatums. You hate to talk about, uh, you know, closed-door meetings. But uh, somebody's got to sit down with the offensive line, with the backs, Dalvin included. He missed one. Uh, the tight ends. And they've got to come to an understanding that, that, that this season's going to unravel on them if they don't keep DeAndre upright. Second of all, despite all the punishment he's taken, he has thrown an errant ball or two. He has hung on to the ball uh, a little too long on occasion. But he made some outstanding throws in that second half after taking that beating and knowing that the beating was going to continue. 
that's why you've got to be so impressed with him and so uh, continually optimistic about what the future holds because he's doing all this in first year as a starter and as a as an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, while he's getting the crap beat out of him. Let's talk about the receivers a little bit. Nooney Murray obviously had a nice game, and Jimbo has liked, uh, you know, and, and he said in the postgame, Nooney's as good as anybody we got. Uh, okay, so that leads to the question, well, why hasn't he played more? I go back to... He didn't know the place. He didn't line up right on that two-point conversion. Ultimately, that, that was pretty big. Okay, what about Auden Tate? Well, Auden Tate brings a lot to the table. Uh, I think it was the last drive of the game as they started to get backed up. He's running a go route, and he stops to jump for the ball instead of finishing his route. If he, if he runs through his route, he probably makes that catch. Certainly has a better chance of making the right. catch. Right, and I, yeah, and we'll never know, and I'm not trying to single out those guys, but I'm just pointing out there is a reason why we haven't now. They were forced to play because Bobo Wilson is out right now, but that sort of answers that question a little bit. And people don't like to think about it, and people say that's an excuse, but it's the reality of today's football game. Uh, particularly in Jimbo's offense. You've got to line up right. You've got to make reads after the snap. If you don't line up right and if you don't make those reads, you will not play. If you do not play, you will not be in game situations where you've got to learn to run through the ball instead of planting a foot and trying to jump or trying to do too much or not doing what's required of you. The one thing I was impressed with, and I'll take my hats off to him, is Travis Rudolph's blocking downfield on both of Dalvin's touchdown runs. Uh, outstanding effort uh, by him uh, in terms of getting down there, getting the way, and springing Dalvin. Let's give credit where credit is due, too, to a, a fifth-year senior who we all like who just hasn't had the career go the way he's wanted to. I'm talking about Sean McGuire. So he gets in for one snap, uh, and and that was the Freddie Stevenson 38-yard. When in the world does a fullback run 38 yards? Well, it happened. Well, do you know why it happened? Uh, this is what I'm going to point out. I'm giving credit where credit was due. That was not a call from Jimbo. Nope. That was a check by Sean McGuire to Freddie Stevenson. Uh, and it swung, you know, I mean, think about how big that play is because Florida State scores on the next play by Dalvin Cook uh, from eight yards out and takes the lead back, 34-29. Well, and think about it. They weren't in, as Deckerhoff likes to say, sidecar right or left. It was full full backfield. You had Dalvin to the left, Freddie to the right. Comes up, doesn't like what he sees, checks out of it. If you're going to check out of something, what high percentage of the time would you check to hand in the ball to number four as opposed to number 23? But what he saw, he checked two. It was the right call. Freddie gets down there to the goal line. Well, we can. Uh, we it, it was it was good to see, and we can talk about uh, things like this. But the bottom line is, 37-34 is the final score. Just too many mistakes for Florida State. Uh, still more to come. We'll react to uh, more. Talk a little bit about special teams uh, when we continue right after this. Wake up, Knowles returns next on ninety-seven nine. Wake up, Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since nineteen ninety-five. Now more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. Final segment here for uh, Tom and Keith to wrap things up. Don't forget that uh, we uh, will be back on Wednesday with the front row. We come uh, your way every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. I uh, hope you've uh, made an appointment listening. Uh, you can subscribe to, to that show and, and this one uh, via iTunes. So that's Wednesdays at 6. I'll also remind you, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville. Highway. You can visit them online at ctf.nu. All right, uh, a couple final thoughts here. Uh, just an observation. Uh, Clemson is is 
traditionally very good on special teams. Um, it was noticeable to me in last night's game that they had no problem kicking to Kermit Whitfield every time. And as a matter of fact, nobody kicks to Ryan Green ever. And, and, and I'm pointing this out because Kermit's been back there. He's four years as the all-time leading kick returner in Florida State history. Uh, but FSU didn't I – mean, when he returned the ball, they started between the 15 and the 20, generally speaking. They did. Uh, they did kick the ball out a couple of times. But you're, I, I noticed, too, they were intentionally uh, putting the ball in his hands. Uh, maybe they see something. Maybe they know something. But I agree with you. The, one of the things that Clemson always does is play special teams very well. Uh, and, and they've always scared the daylights out of me, and they're kick returners. They've always had people back there that can take it the distance. Uh, I thought uh, I thought Logan had one of his lesser games punting. Florida State ended up punting, I believe, seven times in the ball game. Uh, a couple of uh, those punts were 25 and 28 and 30 yards in distance. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that I would say that the kicking game put Florida State in too bad a position. It would have been nice if they'd have been able to get those balls out to the 30, 35 instead of getting tackled inside the 20. Uh, you'll, you'll be amazed at how much that changed your philosophy and your play calling offensively. Uh, but I, I didn't find them to be so egregious that they were detrimental, Tommy. You know, I'm looking over the final stat sheet to see what else we haven't talked about that, uh, that we should bring out. Uh, you know, FSU finished 0 of 1 in the red zone, and I think that goes back to the first drive of the game where they got the ball to the 19, and then there was that 15-yard penalty. And again, that took them out of field goal range ultimately. Uh, you end up losing the game uh, and, and certainly could have used some points early on. The first three drives were all punts for Florida State. So then they got a couple touchdowns. The, the momentum turned after the Marquez White interception. Um, but that first drive, that's the same frustrations we've seen this year. I mean, you move the ball, uh, you got Clemson off balance, and then you just shoot yourself in the foot. It's frustrating, uh, particularly that now you're you've, you're in game eight, you finish game eight. You know, when when or how do those types of things uh, get themselves corrected? Um, I don't have the answer to that. If I did, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the ball game, I'd be selling it and uh, would have some money to. to I'd have some folding money in my pocket, Tommy, uh, to do some things with. Uh, you just got to keep grinding. I know. I know Jimbo is unbelievably frustrated. Uh, I know that he's not happy with uh, some of the calls from the officials. Uh, I know that uh, he's disappointed uh, in some of the things that happen relative to substitution. Uh, obviously, um, there's work ahead and work to be done. Uh, but I also know this: uh, this is a team that that. You know, in the beginning of the year, we were questioning their heart and their desire. I don't have that question today, like I had in week two or week three or week four. Yeah, which which leads to, and that's a good thing because at this point, and and people were asking this before last night's loss, the whole "what does Florida State have left to play for" kind of thing. Well, you got four games left right now, and a lot of it's playing for pride. You're you're not going to win. There's not going to be a miraculous miracle that somehow you get into the ACC title game. Uh, if you win out and win a bowl game, you could still get to, to 10 wins, but uh, it's going to be an angry NC State team this week that's embarrassed that they lost uh, to BC after they got humiliated by Louisville. And Florida State's always had a tough time playing in Raleigh. Yeah, Carter Finley has not been kind to Seminoles. Uh, I guess the only good news is, A, it's not a Thursday night because uh, that's been a nightmare. And uh, as we're uh, taping this, uh, that game time uh, kickoff has not been announced, but I'm assuming it's going to be daylight uh, when Florida State, as uh, uh, our good friend Gene Deckerhoff likes to say, puts toe to leather. Yeah, no question about that. And then, so then after that, you come back, you got a Friday nighter against BC, you go to Syracuse, you get Florida at home, 
then you see where the the cards fall in in terms of your bowl game. I would agree though the effort uh, the, the, there have there have been strides made even though maybe it doesn't feel like it because of the results on the board. But I think the bottom line where the frustration comes in is there's there's two out of three games that if, if you're not making the silly mistakes, you're on the right side of the scoreboard right now, and, and you're a, a one-loss team that is competing for an ACC title. Welcome to parody in college football, uh, the day where you could show up and, and you get credited with 14 or 21 or 28 points because of the decal that's on your helmet. Uh, those days are gone. Uh, every game is going to be competitive. Every game is going to require your best effort. Uh, and again, we, we remind ourselves this is still a very, very young Florida State team. Uh, there's not uh, a lot of senior leadership on this squad. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, folks that are playing in their first or their second year of regular duty. And, and those mistakes of youth are going to continue to crop up occasionally. Um, it's the mental mistakes, the above the shoulders, the pre-snap stuff that I know drives uh, Jimbo and his staff <coughs> pardon me, uh, you know, into, into just frustration and fits. Uh, so you just got to keep grinding on it. You got to keep working on it. Again, repeating myself, my disappointment of early in the year because of lack of effort is not the disappointment I have now. Uh, the disappointment I have now is that, you know, you've lost a couple ball games in Clemson and Carolina that, that you probably could have and should have won. And how much different would the entire face of the program be if that were the case? Well, and and uh, I'll make this comment anyway, though, in light of uh, another loss on the ledger, um, you know, it doesn't ring, it might ring a little bit hollow. But if you coming into the game last night, Florida State lost a game to North Carolina on a career kick from a guy from 54 yards, and Clemson somehow won a game at home when a guy shanks a like a 30 yarder. So that's two kicks. That's the difference between Clemson being unbeaten and Florida State still being in contention for the ACC going into last night's game. Now, obviously that's changed now because we know that Clemson wins 37-34. I want to shift gears just a little bit uh, to mention, and and many of you know him, but uh, our our longtime colleague uh, in radio, uh, your former teammate, our longtime friend, really, Monk Bonasort has... you know, he's just had a tough go of it as he's battling cancer. And he was an honorary captain last night. And uh, it, you may not have been able to see this from the stands. They probably didn't show much of it on TV. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was a moving moment. Uh, he had lots of family. He had his sons there wearing number 42 jerseys. Uh, just just a tribute to Monk. And, and the, the, he's he's still fighting it. I mean, and he's still getting up every day and working out. And uh, we just wish – I'm sending him the best is what I'm doing. His spirit is uh... – all-inspiring. For those of us that have had the opportunity to know him, uh, in my case, for 35 years now, uh, he gets up every morning and and he fights. Uh, His attitude, Tommy, is unbelievable. He's remained positive. Uh, He's remained uh, a servant leader in terms of uh, coming into the office and making calls and continuing to be productive um, uh, he has been a true inspiration, and, and you probably don't know this, but uh, there were some of our friends that came in for this event from California, from New Orleans, uh, and from other places around the country just so they could be with him along with his family on the field for that uh, uh, little ceremony, if you will. That's how important. I tell people, and this is not a stretch, but when you talk about the most beloved former players at Florida State, you think of people like Charlie Ward and 
and Derek Brooks and, and uh, Warwick Dunn. But those are the guys that are beloved by the fans. When you talk about the guys that are beloved by former teammates and former players, Monk's the most beloved ex-player from this program because he spent 13 years running the varsity club, which all of us are a part of, and he spent almost a decade now as a senior athletic official in the Florida State program. He's touched the lives of all of us, and all of us former letter winners uh, love him dearly and respect him. And that is uh, about as well as you could possibly say that, KJ. Monk, we're pulling for you. As we finish up, I want to amend something I said earlier here because this is what happens when you tape a show after 2 in the morning and you're looking at a stat sheet and you're just doing it on the fly. FSU was not 0 for 1 in the red zone. They were 3 for 3. That was the fourth down conversions. My eyeballs didn't line up correctly. And by the way, what was Clemson in fourth down? Clemson was uh, 2 for 2. That might also and be your five for game. five in the red zone. That might also be so, your ball game. So if uh, last segment or whenever that was, you're saying what is Block talking about? You had every right to, but I'll just go ahead and uh, try to retract that there statement are, right there's now. There's a segment of our listening uh, audience that questions that uh, on a regular basis about one or both of us, probably justly <laughs> so. But I'm just admitting in this case, I, I can't own up to my error, folks. We'll talk to you again. On uh, Wednesday night, Uh, thanks for listening, Uh, even though Clemson wins at 37-34. For Keith, I'm Tom. We'll talk to you Wednesday.